welcome to the Dogs and Deadlifts Building Better Dogs and People podcast. Join your host, Daniel Rose, as we discuss everything canine and human strength and conditioning. We talk to experts, hear from people in the know, and just talk the latest on strength and conditioning for both people and their pups. We are about building better dogs and people. Good morning and welcome back to the Dogs and Deadlifts podcast. So today we have another fellow Aussie, which is fantastic, Frankie Aston. Welcome, Frankie. Hi, how are you? Really lovely to meet you and thanks for inviting me on the show. Yeah, look, it's been... uh... Obviously, we've been trying to get hold, hold of each other and work out a bit of a schedule over the last month or so, but it's certainly a pleasure to have you here. The last few guests I've had are all sort of been overseas, so it's good to have another fellow Aussie and not waking up at uh, you know early hours in the morning or late at night trying to interview someone. So it's a, it's a pleasure. You can imagine. Fantastic. Yes, it's a nice early-ish morning start for us, but not too early, which is nice. Yeah, f- fantastic. Let's just jump straight into it, if that's okay. You know, a little bit of an origin or a background story about yourself for our listeners. Yeah, fantastic. So I started agility in early 2012, 2013 with um, the first dog that I personally owned. And I kind of got into agility after being huge in lots of different sports like football and futsal and dancing and things like that. So discovering agility was like a real treasure for me. And then I went along with my dog for a few years and competed and had fun. And then he got injured. And so I really hadn't really thought about him as being an athlete up until that point. When he got injured, what I discovered was that it was really hard to find anyone who could really help me and diagnose what was actually going on with him. Took a few different health professionals, met some really lovely canine physios, which I didn't know even existed at that time. And I kind of geeked out because I've always been really into science and movement growing up as a dancer. And it just really clicked with me learning how to get my dog fit and keep him fit and keep him injury free for a sport, which I loved. So one of the key drivers of that was really taking ownership of the fact that I'm his guardian. And it's up to me to keep him fit at the end of the day. He loves playing that sport and I love playing it with him. But, you know, we've both got to be fit. We've both got to be healthy. And at the end of the day, he can't tell me whether he's in pain. Like he can't speak English. So I've got to look out for the signs. And it was really that start of a journey of learning about my dog, what his confirmation was like, what his physical makeup was like what pressure I was putting him through and it just opened this massive door for me. So it was, uh, yeah, learning how to do those exercises with him obviously was a really big learning for me at the time. And so I went on a journey to find out how I could get involved. And at the time, the only thing that was really being offered online was the Certified Canine Fitness Trainer Program, which was originally through Fitpaws in the U.S., And it was quite new. I think I was the second group to go through with those guys. And for me at the time, it was really just learning what to do for my own dog. There was heaps of stuff online. But for me, coming from a technical sports and technical dancing background, I really wanted to know the basics first. And I knew that foundation work was kind of where I needed to start. Also, the professionals that I was working with were fantastic and gave me that advice, you know, seek out really good programs for your dog and put in a physical program for your dog. And it made sense to me. And so long story short, 
I went and did the FitPause, the Certified Canine Fitness Trainer Program, which is at the time was online and also a lab in the States. So I could go over to the United States and do a four-day lab. And then after that, we did a bunch of case studies and we learned how to work with dogs here locally. And then you take an exam online and they certify you. It was also back through the University of Tennessee, which is for me a big tick. It's kind of like an accredited, if I ever wanted to say to somebody, I actually know what I'm talking about. I know that the program was designed correctly for people to learn about how to be a professional in that area. So from there, Agility Fit began. So that was my first business name. And it was really just about helping handlers and helping dogs be fit to play agility and hence the name Agility Fit. And so that's how I got into it about five years ago and kicked off with some handler programs with a PT who I worked with at the time who wrote a program for us. And then I wrote the dog side of it, which was fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. And it's it's very, you know, obviously we, uh, we align a little bit, you know, dogs and deadlifts, you know, is a very similar sort of, sort of concept and uh, we work with both dogs and handlers. It's interesting how, and I've had the same sort of journey is through dog training and then get, getting into you know human side of fitness and then jumping down the rabbit hole of that and then then crossing it over to uh you know the dog side of things and a lot of the uh you know some of the concepts and things like that what i've noticed is there's not a huge amount you know a lot of scientific evidence and research at the moment for the dogs however a lot of people are sort of combining a bit of the uh you know the human science there because it can relate a little bit of course but i think it's a ex- super exciting times for both Yeah, exactly. And I think that in the short five years or six years that I've been doing this work, you know, I've turned it into my career and I've managed to work with a lot of um, health professionals who are leading the field, who are trying to make it a certified and reputable business and not just something like a fitness trainer who you would go to down the park, but people who actually know what they're talking about, who have some medical training at least, or have at least done a unit of good anatomy and structural study. And now it's, as you would know, it has proliferated amongst some of the really good veterinary minds who are out there doing agility as a sport. And so I think we have the very good fortune to be at the beginning of that journey and to see how that industry is really expanding and how much now fitness is important to not just competing sports people but a broader audience as well which is fantastic yeah for sure and i'm going to jump ahead a little bit i know i had some yeah. you know some questions and stuff but while we're no talking worries. about talking about that in your opinion you know let's go back five years and and you know like you said you were you know sorted out for your own learning capacity and then it just happened to turn into a you know a, a business how have things evolved you know like it's been five years for you, yourself especially yeah. here here in australia and oh, look, I think there's super exciting times, but I, I definitely think there's a lot more to come for sure, you know, and, and I'm hyped about that. And a lot of the guests that I speak to are super excited about that. But how was the first clients that you've seen, you know, what was the mentality around agility fits and conditioning and strength work then, now? And can you see the progression and the difference? In- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, five years ago, I was also very novice to the agility world. So I hadn't been around that long compared to many, many people. And so a lot of it was people who had been doing fitness at home and online and following key industry leaders like Bobby Lyons and Chris Sink and even Susan Garrett, who had 
fostered a lot of that conditioning through a lot of the people who are in the US who are leaders. And so there was a lot of people who followed that online and kind of made their own equipment or bought their equipment from overseas and did that themselves. So, you know, I mean, I'm great at certain things, but I'm certainly not a professional at everything that I do. And so the thing that really interests me now is that through good conversation, we're getting a lot better in terms of getting people to see the right people. And what I mean by that is where in the early days, a lot of my clients were kind of amateur sport people like me. They wanted to know more. They didn't necessarily have time to go on the internet and do things. And there are people who like to do things in person. So they want to see it. They want help to do it. They want to learn how to do it. And so a lot of my time back then and even now was about teaching handlers to be good dog trainers as well. Because in getting great fitness outcomes, you have to be a great trainer too. So if you're not a great trainer, you can get the support of a great trainer, which is really fantastic. So I think I was the only person that had done CCFT here in Australia. And then a bunch of other people were doing different things. So there's a heap of great courses out there that are different to CCFT, but all roads lead to Rome. People were wanting to find out more, but people were definitely going to see therapists or physios to get more rehab style exercises when they needed it. So there was a lot of post-injury or, oh, I've just realized this about my dog. I need to get them fit. My dog's struggling to jump. I don't know what's happening. So fast forward five years down the track and the conversation definitely changed because people are now a lot more proactive. So people are coming to me. So back then I was doing six-week workups to competition and I would have three or four people interested. Now I do six weeks work up to competition and I have 50 or 60 people interested, you know. So there's broad difference and it's a small community here in Australia. There's a big broad difference between five years ago and now with that whole preemptive getting fit for, getting ready for. And I think people recognise that they can't just leave their dogs in the middle of a season to go, oh, okay, well, I'll just wait till summer and to to get my dog fit for next season. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you've got to actually keep your dog fit now and you've got to avoid injury now. That's really great. Those conversations have really progressed from there. Yeah. And I'm seeing it also like I'm a big, obviously, believer in nutrition as well. You know, we're seeing the emergence of better nutrition, especially for performance dogs uh, emerge and, you know, the science behind that. And I'm seeing, you know, people just they're coming they're just, they're asking questions. They're listening to the podcast and they're like, you know, this is stuff, even just down to, you know, warming up their dogs and cooling them mm-hmm. down, you know, rather than right. getting them straight out of the crate, let's go. And then, uh, you know, back into the crate, you know, just, just a simple little 1%, you know. That's one thing that I definitely started at my club, my personal yeah. club was getting them to adopt my warm up and cool down program for their sessions. So the nice thing is that I go to club now and the very first thing that every single instructor says is, okay, let's warm up our dogs. And it's yeah. so nice to actually go yeah. to a club where those, you know, that is the first thing they're thinking about is let's warm up our dogs yeah. because it's not just about getting together on a social evening or afternoon to chit chat and maybe run a few courses, yeah. which is nice. It's really great. Yeah. For me, it's the same, you know, and some, just some simple things that feedback have given, oh yeah. 
I think about warming up my dog and this is how we do it now. We yeah. walk at core strength as well, you know, appropriate obsession, all the, you know, the stuff that we do, you know, on a regular basis, but we just get it, bring it to the front of people's minds now. And yeah. I'm, like I said, I, I believe, and I'll say it probably a million times, it's super exciting times uh, right now. And I'm looking forward to the next five years as well, you know, to see not just here in Australia, because as you mentioned, there's only a small group of trainers here in Australia, but, you know, around the world, US, UK, you know, yeah. all over the place. So I heard a little puppy in the background. We'll, ch- we'll change it to a little bit. Uh, <laughs> tell us about, yeah. about your, your dogs, your, your first dog that you had for agility. I'd love to know about the team that you have now and uh, yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit about how the puppies are going. Yeah, so a little bit of a crazy dog lady here, as you probably meet them all the time, being yeah. in the industry that you're in. So I'll start with Jackson. He was yeah. my first agility dog. He was the first dog I'd owned as an adult. So I grew up with dogs and my parents had big dogs. So we had Great Danes and Shepherds. And my father, he used to train dogs for customs and military and things like that very early on in his career. And he was in fire and rescue. And I never really thought about it, but I, I always loved Papillons. So <laughs> yeah, total opposite of the spectrum. Went for a Papillon. So I got him and then I discovered in our puppy class trainer introduced us to agility and I was like oh okay got to be in this because he loved it immediately too so he was the only puppy in the room who was always wanting to be on the equipment always wanting to run through the tunnels like he just loved it so I kind of found out more about it that way and we evolved from there so once he was about five I decided that having lived and grown up in the countryside and always wanted a border collie that it was time to bite the bullet and get a border collie. So along came Sky. Yeah. So Sky, I have two border collie, and well, actually now technically three border collies. <laughs> Sky, she's the eldest one. She's from a lovely performance breeder in Queensland who just breeds lovely temperamented dogs. Uh, she's a really smart cookie, has been a fantastic agility partner, but also rally tricks. nose works, frisbee, you name it, she's done it. She's also special because she had a cruciate ligament injury and helped me learn a lot more about rehab that way. And then I have Nova. So he's also a border collie. So Jackson, just to give you an idea, Jackson's about to turn 12 now. Yeah. Sky is six, Nova is four. And then I have another Papillon Halo. (laughs) And so Nova and Halo are my main competing dogs now. Sky is a breeding dog now and she's just had a litter of two which mm-hmm. is very cute <laughs> and they're just about to be six weeks old so yeah, yeah time flies when you're having fun yeah and the latest addition to the family is nebula are you looking for the perfect gift for you or a friend that loves dogs and fitness dogs and deadlifts has you covered with merchandise and giftware including t-shirts hoodies cushion covers, mugs, plus much more. Head over to teespring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts. That's T-E-E-Spring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts. Or check out the link in the podcast notes. So all of my border collies have come from the same breeder yep. in Queensland. And so she's the latest addition. She's just about to turn 12 weeks old. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's accelerated (laughs) learning for her at the moment. She's a sponge. So she'll do all the sports the same as the other guys. She'll do obedience, rally, 
tricks, frisbee, agility, and have tried my hand a little bit of herding, but yep. unfortunately I just don't have access or time for it. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah. you're on the, on, uh, sorry, in Gosford in, in New South Wales? Yeah, the business is in Gosford. Okay, um, yep. So, yeah, and I'm just at the very northern tip of Sydney. Okay, yeah, so, f- yeah. fantastic. So, yeah, having access to uh, some farmland is a little bit hard to come by. Yeah, it is. And I'm certainly looking at the moment for somewhere yep. to move to. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's a bit hard because the rental market is also going crazy and the buyer's market's going crazy. So, you know. Yeah. And uh, you, are you guys in lockdown at the moment? Are you currently been able to? We get are out in lockdown. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we are in lockdown. So it's been a bit of a quiet time. So a great time to have a puppy for from a training point of view. Mm-hmm. Not so great from a socialization point of view. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'd like to, you know, talk about the emergence of uh, the the new business name and the yeah. uh, obviously we we mentioned Agility Fit previously and now things have evolved where Dog Fit uh, conditioning and performance. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So Dog Fit, I've actually had the name the business name Dog Fit from the very beginning. So it was one of the business names I registered because I really wanted to have a business eventually that covered a lot more than just agility. And I think that that now I've done my training, I've been to uni, I've got a bunch of certifications (laughs) in rehab and I'm now a hydrotherapy rehabber as well. So I do hydrotherapy. That journey for me has kind of fulfilled everything that I wanted to do. It was the right time to introduce a more comprehensive name for the business so that it just shows I'm not just about agility, but I'm actually about all dogs. Yep. Um, a lot of my, about 30% of my clients are just pet owners. In hydrotherapy in particular, most of my clients are rehab clients. So I see a, a really big varying difference. I do have fitness hydrotherapy clients mm-hmm. as well, and they're okay. mainly agility and flyable people. Mm-hmm. So you get a real gamut. But that whole conversation, like we were saying around nutrition and whole of life health for dogs is now where my business has turned to. And it's so fulfilling, as you will know, to have the ability to help people help their own dogs have a beautiful life and be fit and healthy their entire lives and have that relationship between them bloom and blossom because of the conditioning and the training that they're doing with them. It's just, yeah. It's like, who wouldn't want a dream job like that? Yeah, for sure. And uh, once again, it's something that I've been kicking around, you know, having a hands-on, been looking at hydro, you know, hydro bars, sorry, not yeah. hydro bars, you know, hydro mills. And, and, Hydrotherapy, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know, I interviewed the guys from Dog Runner over in uh, Belgium and, you know, they make their own hydrotherapy treadmill and obviously just yeah. uh, regular treadmills and things like that as well. So been talking to those guys about, you know, the option of uh, getting one out here, but you know, for me at the moment, you know, obviously with COVID and the investment and things like that, I've just sort of put things on hold <laughs> yeah. um, just for a little bit longer. But I, I definitely think that, you know, people are seeking out, not just for rehab, but a prehab as well, you know, so. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, oh, why don't you move to my region? Yep. Every time I see people at agility trials, I wish we had someone like you up here or around here. There are definitely a lot more professionals coming. So I did my hydrotherapy certification through Michelle Monk in yes. Melbourne. Yep. And I know that she's got, and last year I know she had almost 100 people going through for yep. various therapies. So whether it be massage therapist or hydrotherapy, 
and they're ACRA accredited therapists. So we've got a really good industry starting to bubble up here, like you said. And um, yeah, we do really need a lot more people who are able to fill those gaps and be accessible. As a result, I have clients everywhere at the moment. So I do a lot of Zoom consults, which is great. And for clients, I can go and meet on the way to an agility trial or at an agility trial. That's fantastic. But I often get requests saying, um, do you know someone in this area who I can go and see? And then then my journey starts to see, oh, who can I actually find in that area to help? And I think that, um, you know, in a, in a world of, you know, I've been involved in you know, dog training for some time, you know, and sometimes we get a little bit disheartened with, uh, you know, the community of dog trainers in, in some ways, you know, for me the methodology and the passion sort of comes in from a couple of different angles and people therefore end up in arguments and, and certain things. And, you know, but I, I feel that if people can align in the, you know, the fitness type space, like I say to people, I don't talk about how you, how you train your dog on my podcast, you know, we're a, a health and wellness and fit, you know, we talk about fitness and conditioning podcast. There's no sort of subject about methodologies. I don't, I just don't yeah. want that to be here because I've seen a broken friendships in the past, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. but for this type of thing, if, if people can, you know, come together, I, I have reached out to Michelle and, you know, hopefully when her schedule sort of dies down a little bit, we can get her on the podcast yeah. to talk about her experience as a, as a physio and then moving into the different yeah. areas that she's, she's moved in. So that's, that's super exciting. But I definitely yeah. think that canine conditioning or dog fitness, as I call it, can certainly, uh, people can align and build things, refer and things like that, you know, no worries whatsoever. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, same methodology for me at the yeah. end of the day, you know, I have a particular way of working with dogs. You know, I'm very open and honest about yeah. it. But at the end of the day, the dog's health and fitness and nutritional needs yeah. or the rehab outcomes are my focus. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I want my clients to be able to trust me so that I can give them the best. I just wanted to ask you also is about the Fitpaws Master Trainer and the Fitpaws Equipment. Are you still primarily using the Fitpaws Equipment in, you know, within your sessions? Yeah, so it's a really good question. So when I first started out, Fitpaws was kind of like the leading canine equipment expert mm-hmm. and they had a lot of pieces that were either had come from human application yep. or they had researched and built themselves. So I think the main one was like the canine Fitbone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so... The, the thing that I've discovered with fitness, though, is that you don't need an inflatable to start. You can start on the ground. Yep. And a lot of the stuff that I do in my first six weeks of working with a client is mm-hmm. very much on the flat yep. or even just using things like folded towels, folded yoga mats, planks, things like that, which are yep. it's more about form over yep. function. Yep. So, yeah, I do still use because I bought a lot of that equipment to yeah, use obviously yeah, in yeah. my gym so yeah. yes I still use it but I do yeah. use a range of things yeah. so sometimes clients will say to me I can't afford to buy that because mm. it is expensive to get it into the country yep. and often if anyone's selling it to make a buck you know you've got to mark it up so yep. it's just yep. the cost of landing it here yep. so there's great equipment out there now though there's things that you can get from Kmart which is suitable yep, yep you know, like fit discs and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's stuff that you can purchase through a lot of different sellers here that like Heartsport. There's a few different things. You can get a balance pad on Amazon now. Yeah. So, you know, like you may do. I don't do a lot of the peanut work anymore only because I can achieve that outcome of using a peanut by using other equipment. 
And also then it doesn't take up as much space. <laughs> so I've only had a yeah. small studio up until recently. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I have in the shed, you know, some peanuts and, you know, the, all the all the stuff yeah. and, and I'm pretty much the same, you know, like they're probably five, maybe six years old. And nowadays, yeah, it's a, it's some timber from Bunnings or, or uh, yeah. you know, some bricks or some blocks, you know, they don't have to go out and spend $300 on a, a piece of equipment yeah. for this type of activities, you know, certainly. But- well, I think we made equipment from stuff from Bunnings. So they have those garden nailers and I've yeah. stuck a couple of those together Yeah, and done two separate ones for stacking yep. which is really great yeah. so you know really yeah. cheap options for sure and, well. and so, you know i've i know that i've cut up a yoga mat and glued it on top for you know just for that uh, little bit extra cushioning a, exactly. a, ten, a ten dollar yoga mat so yeah definitely if you're listening out there whilst look, i love the fit pause equipment don't get me wrong it's all you know it's fantastic quality equipment however it's not a necessity when you're just starting out for sure people appreciate that <laughs> these days you know they're you know, they don't have to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on uh, on equipment. So, so I, I also wanted to talk to you about, you mentioned earlier that you you worked with a personal trainer and you developed yeah. a, a six-week course for, for handlers, not just the dogs. I'd love to learn a little bit more and hear a little bit about how that, how that went because obviously agility is a, a fast sport. You know, there's, there's power, there's twisting, there's turning. I was trying to find some articles on rehabilitation for humans in regards to knees, ankles, things like that, you know? So yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? Yeah. So one of the things that I noticed, well, when I started agility, so I'm a marketer from a background. And so I always kind of look at the market and say, okay, what's it made up of? And even now the majority of um, agility is in Australia are women and they're affluent women who are aged 40 and up. And we have, don't get me wrong, we have um, handlers from seven years old right up to 83 or 85, I think, which is pretty outstanding and amazing. If you're a highly competitive agilitaire, you're generally kind of within an age group of 35 to 55. You're a woman. You have enough money to buy and keep dogs who are competitive (laughs) and feed dogs who are competitive and have health insurance plans and stuff. So you've got, you know, some disposable income. But also uh, women of that age coming into change. It's often a time when you're unfortunately put on a lot of weight because mm-hmm. you don't, you can't help it or yep. you have yep. bone, osteo, calcium problems, yep. things like that. So that's what I based the program on. It was kind of like, well, how do you get moving? Mm-hmm. How do you protect your knees? So knees and ankles, as you say, are a really big thing because one of the biggest injuries for women in an age group, I think of 52 to 65 is a tibia, breaking your tibia or your ankle. And I've seen it happen uh, last year for a woman in agility. She just slipped over, didn't look like anything, totally blew out her ankle. So that's common. That's what I base the program on is like strengthening. So first of all, strengthening your legs Mm -hmm. and finding your center of movement. And then secondly, how do I gain speed? So one of the other parts of agility that's really important is being connected with your dog. And dogs are fantastic because depending on what type of dog, you can train them to support yourself as a handler. So you can train a different handling technique depending on what you need. But the fact of the matter is that courses are getting longer, they're getting faster. So often people have to run you know, like the course for the dog is 200 to 240 metres long, yep. you know, or it could be shorter if you're in novice. So you could be anywhere from 185 to 240 metres long. And a lot of them are very, they start off as 
very open courses. So you do have to move or be able to get to a point where you can get the handling. And then as you progress along, you have to be better at, as you said, getting to a point, turning, managing your dog. And so a lot of handling techniques that are popular have arisen out of not wanting to run or not wanting to move so much. But I think essentially at the end of the day, if you're going to go out and play agility, that basic six-week program that, or it's actually a 30, there's a 30-day challenge in a six-week program, will get you started on getting your sprint work done, building up your own core and your own quad muscles Mm -hmm. and taking that center of gravity up into where the power muscles are around your thighs. And that was a really great success. And I had a lot of worldwide clients who took that up. So not necessarily about losing weight, or but it's really about getting fit and getting to a point where you can run and move with your dog. So knees, knees and ankles are a big focus for that program. Yeah, for sure. No, it's awesome. And, uh, you know, something that I, I focus on, whether it be strength training for the humans or the dogs, you know, we need six weeks, and I've spoken about this on a different podcast, you know, six to eight weeks for bones, ligaments, muscles, tendons to adapt to this yeah. particular exercise that we're doing, you know, so we're not going to either if, we, if we're lifting weights or we're not going to, you know, we're not going to lift maximum power. We're not going to um, sprint as fast as we can. You know, we need to build up a nice, a nice progression, nice and slowly for all these things to take shape, at least, you know, I say at least six to eight weeks for adaptation to occur. And that's both for, you know, for humans and our puppies as well, for sure. Yeah. And I think also that six to eight weeks. So I always see, I do a minimum six week programs, startup programs on canine fitness as well for that very reason. You've got to start and you've got to learn. So it's all about, you know, if you go down the gym and you've never done anything before, the first session you're going to have is with your PT who teaches you all the exercises. And so, you know, when I have a session with my canine clients, it's the same. They have to learn all the exercises, but it's the handler who has to learn the handling to get the exercise right as well. So mm-hmm. it's a double whammy in that, you know, you've got two people to train, mm-hmm. but six weeks definitely gets the best outcomes. And I often, for my clients who do a six-week program, I do a before and after comparison so that they've got a full anatomical view of what their dog looked like when they started mm-hmm. and what their dog looked like at six weeks. Yeah. And most of my clients say, didn't even recognize my own dogs. Yeah. And then some people who I've you know posted stuff on social media mm-hmm. and other people who know those dogs will say, is that really that dog? Yeah. That looks like a completely different dog. So, you know, that not only do they look younger, they, yep. they're fitter, they're moving properly, yep. not compensating, yep. which is the same for us, exactly the same. So, yeah, yep. for sure. Really great. Yeah. And I, I always say fitter, faster, stronger, you know, and yep. just by taking a bit of time and, uh, you know, looking at those things. But, you know, I'm a big fan of, so strength work, dra- you know, custom made harness, dragging percentages of chain, you know, yep. weight and things like that over a certain amount distance. So I'm a big fan of drag work, but I really need people to slow down and go, hey, you know, number one, we need to get your dog's movement right before we even add load. And then don't even worry about intensity, you know, like right now, intensity is out the window. We want movement and, you know, movement proceeds to load for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So functional movement has to be correct for the muscle to, or the ligament to move properly and to learn to carry the load, as you say, properly. And I think that that's, absolutely been the focus of some of the work that I do and slow work is always to begin with and teaching people just to have a chin hold for their dog and stand still that's like often the very first exercise that I teach 
because it's like, okay, well, in order for them to do any of this, we need them to be still. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's great. Awesome. All right, Frankie. So if you could sort of give a couple of two pieces of advice for someone that's uh, whether they've got, you know, they want to start on their, uh, their agility program, maybe one for the dog, one for the humans, or a couple of pieces of advice in your own opinion to get started and what they should be thinking about. Yeah, for sure. So I think the first thing, if you're going to get started for yourself and your dog is just to do an honest appraisal Mm -hmm. of where you're at, you know, have a look at, okay, for yourself, have a look at yourself and think about your own goals. Getting fitter is fine. You know, that's a great goal. So how do I get fitter? What are the key things that I want to knock off first? So one might be just learning how to run. So even just using something like a couch to 5k program, is fantastic. And you can take your dog with you, which is really nice. So you can get walking. If you're not walking, start walking now. So walking is a big part of fitness. I think that that's actually been proven over and over again in many research articles and lots of journals that if we just walk once a day for 30 minutes a day, we're going to add a baseline fitness. Same for your dogs. Just get out and do some walking. That can allow them to be who they are. You can do decompression walks, whatever you like. Mm-hmm. For your dog, have a look at your dog and think, okay, well, this is a sport that they're in. Have a really good think about the fact that agility is 80% jumping work and 20% contact and weaver work. So the majority of what a dog is being asked to do is to jump or turn and jump. So it's high impact, really big shoulder and wrist load. And then you need flexibility and strength. So the first thing I would say is think about what breed do I have? Um, How agile are they? What's their age? What can I really expect of my dog? And then just start some really plain things. So for agility dogs, we'll always just start with plain grid work, really simple stuff. And you can do two to three exercises every other day to help build strength. So The one really big thing that I come back to over and over again is postural strength. And people call it core strength. I call it postural strength because for me, it's about the entire dog's movement from tip of nose to tip of tail. So it's all about flexibility. It's about how the prime moving muscles work together. It's about how flexible they are and certainly how flexible they are in certain situations. And so just helping to start that work You can do a few stretches like nose to tail, see if your dog can touch their toes, their back toes by doing a nose to tail, just kind of assess how flexible they are. And then the third thing for a dog would be, what's their endurance like? You know, can they sprint? Are they sprinting dogs? Is their breed a sprinting breed? Is their breed an endurance breed? What is going to help me to get them to run? Number one in everything is the relationship between you and your dog. I think if you just get out there and play, even if it's going for a walk for 30 minutes a day, it's going to help you all. So, yeah, fantastic. Are you looking for the perfect gift for you or a friend that loves dogs and fitness? Dogs and Deadlifts has you covered with merchandise and giftware, including T-shirts, hoodies, cushion covers, mugs, plus much more. Head over to teespring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts. That's T double E spring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts. Or check out the link in the podcast notes. All great advice. So if someone, you know, they've, uh, they've listened to the podcast and they're like, oh, that's cool, whether they're in Australia or not, wanted to 
to reach out to you, how would they go about uh, finding you on uh, socials, website? Yeah, so Facebook, DocFit Conditioning and Performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's on Facebook and Instagram, same, DocFit Performance is yep. my handle. And then you can find me at dogfitperformance.com. Yeah, awesome. And we'll link to those, obviously, uh, yep. in the show notes of the podcast. So, so Frankie, like I said, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to come on the podcast, you know, casual chat, just getting people aware of, uh, you know, what yourself and, you know, the canine fitness and conditioning and what they can do to get their dogs to potentially the next level or uh, even just get them started. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been really great chatting to you about that. No, all good. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks a lot.